Well, praise the Lord. Welcome to Cross Time with Pastor Curtis here on Friday mornings at 9 a.m. every single week. I'm Pastor Curtis Hutchinson. Glad to be with you today. Hope you'd get your Bibles. Follow along with us today in our study of the book of Jude. This will be part 12 today. Uh, we have other teachings you can find on the YouTube channel, Curtis Hutchinson 316. The teaching on Galatians, a year and a half's worth. The teaching on Ephesians, about that same period of time. I am presently teaching the book of Romans. We're in chapter 8 every Monday morning and Thursday morning, or most Mondays and Thursday mornings, unless I'm out of town, at 8.30 a.m. Central Time. So go back and avail yourself to those teachings, Bible, pencil, paper. Expect to hear from God and watch what God will do in your life as you hear his word in the context of the living word, Jesus Christ, his son, and what he did for us at Calvary. And you will be blessed amazingly as you begin to hear God's word as it is truth in its righteous context like never before. And these ministers who God has called and raised up for such a time as this, and I'm not talking about all preachers. I'm talking about those he's been able to get to a place where you got the Apostle Paul determined to know nothing other than Christ and him crucified, where every single uh, sermon, there can be 10,000 sermons, but the message inside every sermon is Christ and him crucified. You have to understand that that's where we are. That's where we're going. Uh, the church has been stagnant and paralyzed for many, many decades, paralyzed, unmovable not moving forward, just really backsliding for all many years. And either you are getting on board with the message of the cross, which is God's attempt to save, deliver, heal, pour out of his spirit and move forward in the things of his plan for his people, or we're rejecting this message and we're causing a hindrance and we become like Balaam. We're, we're actually causing problems among the church instead of helping its increase through the preaching of the truth. Amen. Again, this is part 12 of the teaching on the book of Jude here uh, on Friday mornings. Uh, join us every Friday morning live on my Pastor Curtis Facebook page if you're watching this after uh, the fact somehow. Uh, but help us with the publishing of these teachings. Share them. It's not about us. It's about that which we've been given to teach, which is Jesus Christ and him crucified. The very letter that Jude wrote was about the church having a wake-up call, paying attention, not being duped and seduced and carried off through the lust of their own flesh uh, by these ones who have crept in among us. And uh, like I said earlier, the church is so paralyzed and blind today that there aren't just people who are uh, men ungodly creeping in among us. You've got whole churches, whole denominations, and entire seminaries that are nothing more than ran. They're being ran totally by these spots, by these men who've crept in among us and turned just not just spots, but the whole thing into one big spot of ungodliness by looking away, turning away, refusing to preach God's word in its righteous context. And when we do that, again, Romans 1.18, we, all we do is, is, is place ourselves in the church in a place where God's wrath is against us, resisting us, because faith in anything other than the cross in the eyes of God is a heart of pride. And all that he can do is resist the proud. We need to remember that and know that. He doesn't, he doesn't, Use the best we can do. He only is pleased and functions in that faith that's in what his son did for us at Calvary. When you move away from that truth, that fact, you move away from grace. And then all we can do is make things up after that. So uh, I'll be in Wichita Falls, Texas uh, tomorrow night ministering at 6 p.m. in our Crossway Church there as well as Sunday morning. So uh, tune in uh, and hear those messages. I'll be ministering a message tomorrow night I've never preached before on death, the reality of death. And, 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 I, and I know it's going to be really good. The Lord's been dealing with me about this subject 
and just the way he's given it to me, I can tell you it's going to be very encouraging, and we're going to be blessed to be able to hear it. So uh, uh, tune in if you can, or watch it after the fact. Again, that'll be this weekend in Wichita Falls, Texas, our Crossway Church there. And uh, uh, let me see. Let's pray. Let's. We're going to pray this morning before we dig into the word for our brother Ron McCoy who uh, at 7.30 this morning underwent uh, uh, open heart surgery. So we're going to pray this morning and believe God for him and uh, that the doctor's hands will do that which uh, is God's will and that the Lord will make this operation a great success for our dear brother, uh, Ron McCoy. Let's pray this morning. Father, we ask you first of all, Lord, to just fill our hearts with your presence this morning. Lord, just to fill us with your spirit, fill us with your word, fill us with fresh desires today, confidence and boldness, God, to hear from you, to, 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 to share these things in which we learn. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be here, breaking open the bread of life, knowing that you have for us today fresh bread, and we give you the praise for that. Lord, we lift up our dear brother Ron McCoy this morning. We ask you to touch his body, the doctor's hands, Lord, giving, Lord, that entire situation, the touch that only you can give to bring him through. Lord, to help this operation be a success, that we would have brother Ron with us, Lord, functioning in the body of Christ as as an instrument of honor in your hands for years to come. We thank you for it. We thank you, God, for using us, Lord, on these Friday mornings to bless the hearts of, of many of your people who have, Lord, heard the call back to the cross. Lord, back to the place where you can function and be pleased in their lives and use them. And we just thank you for the days ahead. And we thank you for the illumination of your word this morning into our hearts. God, we ask you, Lord, to impart Yes. Lord, the things that we need this morning, yes, specifically on this day, yes, giving you all the praise. Yes, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, it's uh, went straight here in northeast, the piney woods of northeast Texas from summer uh, to winter. I guess we're not going to have a fall this year. Went from the 90s yesterday to, I think, the 50s today. And uh, so it's uh, rainy and cold outside. And uh, thank God. Or for the changing of the seasons, the Lord said they will always be as long as the earth is, which is forever. And uh, I don't care what the naysayers are saying about the climate and all that stuff today. The seasons will always be here. God said it. And he's over everything. He created everything. So, praise God. We, uh, here are, we're going to start this morning in verse 12 of the book of Jude. And I know we read the, this scripture last week. And... And, uh, but we're going to cover it again this week and bring out some things that, uh, at least one thing that I didn't bring out last week. And uh, let's read verse 12 in the book of Jude. There's only one chapter. And so let's read this. These are spots in your feasts of charity. Mm -hmm. When they feast with you, this is what we're going to talk about first today. They're feeding themselves without fear. Clouds they are without water, carried about of winds, trees whose fruit withers, without fruit, mm -hmm. twice dead, mm -hmm. plucked up by the roots. Mm -hmm. And uh, the Bible goes on to say there in verse 13, raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame, yes. wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Now you have to think about this. This is man, this is a horrible destiny planned for these specific people being mentioned here that you and I are given an awareness of in the in the letter that Jude wrote. Now we need to think about that. We need to take this serious today. I know when we read the book of Jude, we think that this is always about other churches or other places. Nobody's crept in here. Let me tell you, plain and simple, if they're not opening the Bible and declaring the Word of God in the context of Jesus Christ and Him crucified, that is someone who has crept in among us. Mm -hmm. And the excuses right. they give as to why they're not preaching this message is only psychological, right. their psychological evaluation. Yep. There is no fear there. Tears do not mean fear. Esau cried tears and never found repentance. Mm -hmm. 
tears and outward aggressive motions that were faked out by other people and praise God for tears and lifted hands and, and shaking hands and all the things that we see. Praise God for that. But God sees when the fear is real. God sees when the heart is really after Him. And you and I cannot be duped any longer, seduced any longer by outward aggressive movements. I get encouraged when I see somebody praising God. Hallelujah. And that's fine. I should. But what's going on in the heart is not for me to judge and determine. If I do that, I might let, I might let my judgment about them keep me from praising God. You know, I can't sit around and think, well, I don't know if all that's real. And No, I don't care if that's real. I know mine is real because my heart, my heart's faith, my heart is believing unto righteousness. That means Christ and His work at Calvary. We need to understand that. I can't say it enough. There can be 10,000 sermons, but the message in every sermon must point to Christ and what he accomplished at Calvary, or that message is not truth. It is God's word, but it's not being presented as the righteous word of God, as truth. And, and, and we know that because the Bible says in Proverbs twelve seventeen, he that speaks truth shows forth righteousness. If it's truth being presented, righteousness is being seen. That means not your own, but that which Christ afforded through His work at Calvary. That's what the Holy Spirit is showing you if He can get you to see the truth of God's Word. Not until you see the truth. That means who Christ is and what He did at Calvary. Yes. That's it. Amen. The Bible is without power. Faith cannot come unless it's in the context of that which is truth that shows us righteousness. Now, the end of that Proverbs 12, 17 verse is, let's read the whole thing. He that speaks truth shows forth righteousness, but a false witness deceit. That means the false witness can creep in among us, use God's word with tears and trembling and shaking. The devils tremble and believe. The devils believe and tremble. Watch that. Watch that. Ministers use God's word, but are they pointing you to Christ and what he did at Calvary? Without faith in the blood, the word written can do you absolutely no good. And if you disagree with what I'm saying, you are like operating as one of these who's crept in among us. It doesn't matter if it's in ignorance. God won't override your ignorance and, 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 and still use you. Forget that thought. That's a false thought. God only works in truth. Psalms 33, 4. He works by a law. Romans 8, 2. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. He's, God's not looking for the best you can do to operate in that. That's not in your Bible. What is in your Bible is that he cannot be pleased without faith. He requires faith. And that's faith in what his son did for you at Calvary. That's the faith he's looking for. When he finds it, he gives grace. He gives more grace. He begins to use you. And I'm sorry if you're disagreeing with what I'm saying, and most will today, they are the ones who have the spirit of Balaam on them, and they're blocking the church, withholding the church from moving on into the things of God. The church has been held in a paralyzed state for many, many decades now. But now the message of the cross has, has come back in the church. And now they may be calling us the creepers, but that's okay. There's nothing ungodly about preaching the message that's of the right. cross. Hallelujah. That's right. There's nothing, listen, there's nothing uh, that's that's wrong with preaching the message of the cross. Now those who, who are reading big worded books and trying to sound all psychological, and those, there are those who study big words to try to make the people think they're all smart. Listen, Jesus is just looking for a few stinky fishermen and some old rotten tacks. <laughs> collector still today. He's not looking for some educated men. He is my education. Glory to God. There's nothing wrong with education unless you're trying to uh, look like you're something special to the people. And listen, you know if you are. You know if you are. And listen, the message of the cross becomes powerless. It becomes of no use 
when you try to put your own stuff in, in with it. It's just the message of the cross that has the power. It's just the gospel of Jesus Christ right. that has the power. Right. It's not your presentation of it. The message of the cross is the power of God. That's what the Bible says. So I want to hone in, if you will, this morning, first of all, on this uh, portion of Scripture in verse 12 that says, when they creep in among us they into our love feast, and that's what our worship services should be, our, our, our gathering in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said if we did that, he'd be among us. And, and these are really love feasts. These worship services the church has, they should be lo looked at as love feasts. We gather because we've been loved by God and brought together by God, saved by God, and everything by the Lord. And it's the love he shed abroad in our hearts. We have one for another. Right. And listen, it's when we look away from the sacrifice yeah. and we begin to look at all the, the wrongs in people's lives and then we start acting like some spot and spots hurt these love feasts. And mm -hmm. we have to be careful not to start looking at her shoes or her dresses or his suit or his not not wearing a suit or right. what they live in and what they drive. And, and then most of the time, it's the people who have the issues in their own heart that begin to uh, say negative things about other people. So we have to be careful about that. We, we lose our focus of the cross. Oh, we'll never say we do. But when, when our hearts start drifting away and all, kinds of negativity and things we've looked we're looking away from Calvary right. Jesus loved those who nailed him to the cross can yeah. I say that this morning sure and he while he was being railed upon the Bible says he never reviled back right. he just took what was dished out to him. He was laying his life down for you and me. He wasn't trying to talk himself out of it, blame anybody. Oh, listen, he just did what he came to do. And our mission is to daily deny ourselves. You'll have to deny yourself to have faith in the cross. A lot of folk can't go to church today. They can't give tithes and offerings today. They can't worship God today because they can't. They just can't get beyond themselves. And there's a requirement there of getting beyond yourself. And the only way you can deny yourself is when you recognize the cross is the answer. Right. Then you can deny yourself, take that cross That's up, and right. follow your Jesus every day. And somebody said amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> so feeding themselves without fear. So let's talk about that for a minute this morning. This is this is this may be talking about when they got together and they were having communion and and they were feeding themselves without fear whether they were just eating meals together as the family of God or whether they were actually partaking uh, of communion or whether that was what it was uh, considered by them every time they ate having a fellowship at church that they were breaking bread in the name of the Lord because of what he did for them on the cross, I don't know. But it says here that they were feeding themselves without fear. Mm -hmm. That means they'd get together with the people of God. They'd participate in the things there. And, and they would feed themselves in fellowship with others. But it says without fear. Mm -hmm. now, now you have to understand, fear is a very important word in, in the Bible. And I'm going to show you why this morning in the Bible, why the word fear is very, very important. The word fear uh, speaks of that. If you look it up, no matter where you look it up, in any dictionary, in any note, in any Bible, it's going to always talk about one thing, a reverential fear. But a reverential fear uh, means a moral, has something to do with our morals. When, when someone fears God, they, they, they fear that they, they understand, I need to be living in a way that pleases God. I know that not pleasing God, there's a danger in that. And I want to please God. And, and, but it goes beyond a desire to please God. It, it moves into a, a looking for the way to please God. And many false ministries, many cults uh, think they're pleasing God, but it's not according to the Word of God. 
And that's that's where uh, the rubber meets the highway because we can't properly fear God and be brought into a proper fear of God unless we're hearing the Word of God because only in the Word of God can we learn of God, about God. We don't know anything about God without the Bible. You might go find another book on some other God, but that's only going to kill you, and you'll never find the answer for sin. You'll never find the answer for living in victory without, so sin won't dominate you. You'll never find the, the story of a loving God who sent his son to die on the cross for sinful humanity. That's only found in the Word of God. And that's what we need, the Word of God. So I want to read something to you this morning from, first of all, the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, where Paul writes a little bit to the church in Corinth about taking communion. He's given the revelation of what it means uh, that Jesus told us, do this in remembrance of me, and that we should partake of communion. In our worship services, Jesus told us to. But we have to be very careful in partaking of communion that we don't just turn it in to something uh, that we're doing as a law, as a work, as like we're going to get something by actually doing this. Because it's all about remembering what Jesus came to do for us. The bread representing his body, the wine representing his blood, and that talks about what he did for us at Calvary. That must always be the mindset when we take communion. Always, without fail, if we take communion every day, our minds must be about what Jesus who he is as the Lamb of God and what he did for us as the Lamb of God, that's the one they're praising in heaven right now. The Lamb of God is worthy. Hallelujah. And we need not ever move past that. But Paul writes this to the church in Corinth, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 29. For he that eats and drinks unworthily mm -hmm. eats and drinks damnation to himself. Mm -hmm not discerning the Lord's body. See, that's really twofold. It's really twofold. First of all, you and I must discern the Lord's body, what he actually did for us at Calvary. It must forever remain the object of our faith, not just during communion, uh, partaking of communion, but 24-7. We must never move into the programs, the, the schemes, and the fads of men that have crept in among us, bringing the government of 12, the purpose-driven, the this, the that. The, the, all that's golden calves in the the eyes of God. And when we enter into those things, we move away from the only avenue God f uh, allows grace to pour into our lives, which is faith in Christ and Him crucified. And it's not Christ and Him crucified and something. The and anything removes us from the one that called us, Galatians 1.6. It causes us to fall from grace. I didn't say lose your soul, but you're headed that direction. Falling from grace, remember God's grace is God functioning in your life. That's why Galatians chapter 5 verses 1 through 4 says when we do that, when we move away from the cross and we do into anything else, any works that we've got to do to get victory over this or salvation in any aspect, we fall from grace. We fall from the place where God keeps us. God works in us. God works in us both to will and to do His good pleasure. We block that through trusting in something we're doing, they're doing, they're saying, I'm saying, anything other than the cross of Christ, the shedding of the blood of anything, it doesn't matter how spiritual it looks, how holy it makes you feel, it's not the work of Christ. He did the work, he finished the work, and now if the Holy Spirit's going to work in us and through us, Ephesians 2.10 we're going to have to, but before we're able to walk in those works, we're going to have to keep trusting. We're going to have to come back, church, to faith in the cross alone. And so that's number one. To discern the Lord's body is to discern it's the only object of faith God's given humanity. He's not given us any other object of faith. And I know some people say, well, we've got the whole Bible. You put your faith in God's word here. God, no, listen. Jesus said the scriptures are about him. Uh -huh. All God's words are in righteousness. Write it down. Take a pencil. Don't just say, oh, I don't know about that. 
Go look at it. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 8. All the words of my mouth are in righteousness. And our hearts, in the eyes of God, can only please God when our hearts are believing under righteousness. That means God's Word in the context of the righteous one and what He did for us to make us righteous, servants of righteousness, and to be able to bear forth the fruits of righteousness, which is Him, Jesus, doing the righteous work for us at Calvary. And somebody said, glory to God, I'm coming out of a paralyzed position in the church. I'm, I'm coming out of a backslidden place. I'm, I'm coming out of this mess. I'm I'm going to start walking with my faith in the cross again. And God's going to do great and mighty things in my life. The Bible says they that know their God will do mighty exploits. Well, where, where are the mighty exploits? They're taking place in the hearts and through the lives of those that God is able to bring back to their first love. The place where the people of God can receive and hear properly. Faith in the cross alone. Hallelujah. Everything else is the wisdom of men, the psychology of men, the legalities of men, the, the wisdom of men. But the preaching of the cross is the wisdom and the power of God to us who are saved. Glory to God. That's just Bible. Amen. Number two, to discern the Lord's body is to discern where you should be planted in the house of the Lord, in the body. We were planted, immersed into, baptized into the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit taking us through simple childlike faith in Jesus and what he did at Calvary, Romans 6 and 3, write it down, go study it. He immersed us upon our faith in that righteous work of Christ at Calvary. He immersed us into the death of Jesus into the body of Christ. That's how we're the body of Christ today, through faith in his death. And Colossians 2 and 6 says, as you have, as you have received the Lord Jesus Christ, so walk ye in him. When you move your faith from the cross to anything, even under good intentions and ignorance, and I didn't know I was messing up, it don't matter. We're no longer abiding in Christ, walking in Christ. You can say you are, but you're not. You can want to, but you're not. You can know you need to, but you're not. You can cry tears, but you're not. You can wail and beg and beat your chest, but you're not. Only when your faith remains in Christ and what he did at Calvary, are you abiding in Christ? Are you walking in Christ? And this is a conscious decision we have to make to examine ourselves daily to make sure that we're discerning the Lord's body. And is my faith literally in the work of Christ at Calvary? Is that what I'm trusted in today? And second, am I in a body that has become determined? Am I planted in a local church? Have I allowed God to plant me in the body where it pleases Him? 1 Corinthians 12, 18. He, when He plants us where we should be planted in the body, then He's pleased. And it's impossible to please God without faith. Therefore, He'll never plant you in a body that's not preaching the faith. Because he's already not pleased with that church. He's already not pleased with the direction of that church. Right. When the message of the cross that's right. That's right. is not the message in that right. church, right. he's not pleased with the message right. that's in that church. That is right. Amen. Thank you for that amen. Yes, Got amen. me a loud amen corner this morning. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> Sister Fredine. <laughs> Praise God. Listen, I'm, look, folks get mad about this, but listen to me. The people who get mad are the people who are not discerning the Lord's body. They cannot grow. They can feel like they're growing. They can say they're growing. They can talk about growing, but the church hasn't been growing in decades. It's been where it's at. But there is a remnant who God is awaking and rising up, and they are marching in this last day's army. Me, the prophet Joel talked about. I'm glad to be just a speck somewhere in this army. But let me say it this morning. We march on. Hallelujah. We march on. The Lord has brought us out of the denominational. He's brought us out of all these things that we said for years didn't really have a hold on us. But listen, listen, I can't be tied up in anything that has any type of control over me other than the Holy Spirit. 
Amen. Mm -hmm. So I, I know yeah. you, the Lord's given you something this morning. First of all, yeah. watch this. Now Paul tells the church here, and we're talking about these folks who feed themselves without fear. They're in our churches. They 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 fellowship. They 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 feed themselves, but it's without fear. Think about this. So Paul says, "He that eats and drinks unworthily, that means their faith is not in the sacrifice." Think about the millions every week that partake of communion, but their faith is really not in the sacrifice of Christ. They might even be reminded of it during this meal, but then, then the preacher gets up right after communion and preaches law to the people. Mm -hmm. Preaches, you've got to do this and you've got to do that if you want to see God deliver you. Listen, that might sound good, but it's wrong. It's, it's deceitful because you can't work your way into Christ, into salvation. You can't work your way into heaven. You can't work your way into victory. Mm -hmm. Jesus did the work, finished the work, and now you and I just simply believe that and we're taking communion properly. We're discerning the Lord's body properly. But he that eats and drinks unworthily eats and drinks damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Verse 30, 1 Corinthians 11. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you and many sleep. Many are weak, sick among the church, and many are dying prematurely because why? They're not discerning the Lord's body. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to say something this morning. I love you, but i got to tell you, if you've been hearing the message of the cross for years and you're still sitting in a church that's not preaching it, you're not discerning the Lord's body. Mm. you got issues in your life you're not coming out of. Mm -hmm. you're, you're not coming out of. Just because you say you know it? No, God's waiting to see if you will come out from among them. You're, you're still unequally yoked. You're not discerning the Lord's body properly. You're planted somewhere where this message is not being preached. And yet you make these excuses. Whatever they are, you need to understand this morning, and the Holy Spirit's dealing with you, even through your anger at Brother Curtis. He's, de I'm not the he's dealing with you about... Getting up and getting out of there, man. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Getting up and getting out of there. You're either helping the church along in its process by being a discerner of the Lord's body, which you're a part of, uh -huh. and, 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 and when you when you gather with those of like precious faith, that's right. and that's got to be from the pulpit, my friend, not uh -huh. some little room in the back you got a few gathered up. Uh -huh. Because you're under... That's right. The heading of that church. That's Don't care what you say. You can keep lying to yourself, playing the game of deceit all you want. But the head of that church represents you and where you're headed. That's right. That's your testimony. Many are weak. Many are sick. Many are dying prematurely. Well, not us, bless God. That, that, that happens to everybody else. No, this happens to those who won't discern the Lord's body properly. Again, faith in Jesus alone and what he did at Calvary alone and then finding the place where the Lord will plant you so that you can, Psalm 92, flourish in the courts of your God. Hallelujah. Amen. And verse 31 says, For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. Mm -hmm. That means right there that there is a judgment against those that refuse to make this proper judgment. Mm -hmm. That's right. There's a judgment being made. Oh, God ain't judging me. God, listen, there's right here in your Bible. The Bible. I said the Bible. God says if you will judge yourself concerning this, you won't have to be judged. Mm -hmm. That means you won't have to experience these negative things. Because you made the right judgment. Hallelujah. These folks are just going through the motions for personal fleshly gain. Mm -hmm. How many people take communion thinking, what am I going to get out of this today? Instead of just from a thankful and a grateful heart, just simple faith, Lord, thank you for dying for me, an old sinner. Thank you for being merciful and gracious to me. Thank you for loving me. And there's nothing wrong with knowing that true faith in this sacrificial work of Christ, there's benefits for that. There's nothing wrong with expecting to see God heal your body, restore things that the devil has ripped apart, but your faith has to be right. Your faith has to be right. And I, don't, I know the, the, the people who disagree and say all the, anything contrary to this, I hate to have to say these things, but they're a part of the hindrance 
of the forward advancement of God's people. Balaam did the same thing. He knew God, and, and Jude talks about Balaam as one of those that the enemy used. And he knew Balaam knew that God would not curse his people, but he also knew that there would be a judgment against them if they did not do what God called them to do. So he just uh, 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 manipulatively tried to work his way in like he wasn't going to uh, have to answer to God. That's never going to be the case. Right. That's right. And we're either preaching the truth, which is Christ, mm -hmm. and the power of the truth, which is what he did at Calvary. Mm -hmm. That's right. And we're helping God's people along mm -hmm. run this race, fight this fight, be the good soldier, the salt and the light of this world that we're called to be, or we're hindering the forward advancement of God's people. We need to pay attention to that. So we're talking about for a minute this morning, fear. Because these men who creep in among us, they feed themselves, the Bible says, without fear. And it takes a healthy fear, that means a judgment of God in our hearts. That's biblical. Watch this, Psalms 25, 14. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear Him. I told you about, I, I gave you this last week, giving it to you again because mm -hmm. it's powerful. Mm -hmm. The secret of the Lord mm -hmm. is with them that fear Him. Mm -hmm. And He will show them His covenant. Now, let me give you another scripture this morning Psalms chapter 50, verse 23 says this Whoso offers praise glorifies me. It's the Lord now speaking through the psalmist. Whoso offers praise glorifies me and to him that orders his conversation aright mm -hmm. will I show there's that word again, will I show I will let him see, I will give him eyes to see the salvation of God. Mm -hmm. Think about that. Mm -hmm. So we see the fear of God has everything to do with desiring from our hearts to live upright before God, morally right before God, to be pleasing to God. Mm -hmm. Which, which right. we listen. These are the people that know sin. God hates sin. Amen. Yes, He loves the Amen. sinner. He came to save all sinners, mm -hmm. but God still has a hatred toward all sin. And the church plays around with sin. They think. But sin is very deceitful. Sin is making us weak. Sin is making us sick. Sin is killing us prematurely while we're acting religious. But God sees the hearts that fear Him. You need to think about these scriptures. Because we wonder sometimes, well, how? why is God showing me the revelation, the illumination of His Word in the context of Christ and Him crucified? And I've been trying to explain it to my family, been trying to explain it to my co-workers, been trying to explain it to my, to my friends, and they, they just won't get it, they won't accept it. Because there's something missing there, and it's called fear. They may be as religious as all get out, but the promise from God, who's never broken a promise, cannot break a promise, and cannot lie, if He finds a heart fearing Him, He reveals His secret to them, He shows them His covenant. Mm -hmm. Because they're the ones that have a desire here, you read about in Psalm 50 verse 23, that desire, they're ordering their lives aright. They want to live right. They want to be pleasing to God. Not the men around them, but to God. When David sinned with Bathsheba and the prophet Nathan came to him and, and reported to him that you're the one, you're the sinner, you've been caught. And David didn't say, well, you got problems too, Nathan. That's what the church does today. When they're caught doing wrong, they want to bring everybody else into their wrong. Well, everybody does wrong. See, that's the accuser of the brethren right, right there. Right. But David didn't do that. And this is a sign that we do have a heart after God is that when we're caught in sin, instead of blaming and accusing everybody else and saying, well, they ain't nobody perfect and they got problems in their life too. No, we just say, God, I've sinned against mm -hmm. you. Yeah. See, that's the, God sees that heart. 
God also sees that heart that blames everybody else when we reject an opportunity to repent and be right before God. We just go on in our assumption that we're right before God no matter what because He loves us. But that's not the case. That's not the case, my friend. The Bible in the New Testament says that we can become dead, we can become blind, we can be uh, plucked out as a, de as a branch refusing to bear fruit, we can be spewed out of the mouth of Christ. There's a lot of horrible things that can happen to us, but it's all based on the, the, the status of our heart. You know, even tithe, giving tithings and offerings is not about the money, it's about the heart. Everything to do with God is about, well, if it's about the heart, I don't have to give it all. No, the Bible says to bring all the tithe mm -hmm. into the storehouse and offerings. Come on now. Mm -hmm. God sees yes. if you're being truthful to yourself by trusting in what he said, or if you're believing his word in some deceitful manner. Mm -hmm. He sees the heart that is literally ordering his conversation. And that doesn't just mean words. It includes that. But it means lifestyle, behavior. Mm -hmm. yeah. Think about that. Yeah. He sees that heart. He saw the heart of Cornelius. He, he was a lost man that God couldn't use. God couldn't do anything. He couldn't accept all that Cornelius was doing. That's why he sent Peter to Cornelius to preach the gospel. So when he could believe, when he would believe the gospel, then God could save him and fill him with the Spirit and begin to use him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. So Cornelius had a fear about God. He, he was trying to serve God. He wanted to serve God. Paul, when he was putting Christians in prison, he thought he was serving God. To him, he was serving God. But he was serving God wrong. And when the truth came along to Paul, he was like David, caught in his sin. God, I've sinned against you. Lord, what would you have me do? Paul said. When he was Saul, yeah. before he was Paul. And that's the heart of every person who's trusting in God for, 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 for a life that would be pleasing to him that can only happen through faith in the Son he offered us at Calvary. Mm -hmm. Think about that. These are men that creep in among us and they're feeding themselves among us, but it's without fear. When sin is revealed in their lives, they, they go home and they start uh, emailing and calling folk behind the scenes trying to build their own case. Mm -hmm. uh -uh. When in all reality, the heart after God is going to come and say, uh -huh. what do we have to do to work this out? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. Some people, I hate it, they never reach that place of true repentance. They go from church to church to church. They cry real tears. They say real prayers. They, they, they have Bible study. They, do, they go through the motions, but until that heart is broken, and it's no longer about everybody else, but just me and you, Lord. Mm -hmm. yeah. Until that point comes, it'll just mm -hmm. be religion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes, God loves you. Oh yes, God will do great and mighty things in your life if you'll come back to Calvary. But the message of the cross is a message for a broken people. Not a high and uppity-minded people. The message of the cross is not a popular message. And, it, and there are no popular messengers. Because there's nothing comfortable. There's nothing spectacular. There's nothing desirous about a cross. Death. There's nothing there's no popularity in it. There's no big money to be made in it. There's none of that. Mm -hmm. It's a message of death and life. Amen. So, these, the word fear there is very important. That these people, they're in our midst. And I'd be willing to say these people probably are in almost every single church in the world. They're feeding themselves with us. They're going through the motions, but they're only there for what they can get. 
They're not participating in the giving. They're not participating when there's get-togethers and fellowships. They're, they're the last one there uh, at church, and they're the first one out the door. There's really no desire for fellowship. These people are spots in our feast. And even when they do celebrate with us, and, and their hearts are not right before God. And it's not for me to look around and judge and try to figure who these people out. Because listen, unless they repent... They're going to work themselves right back out into a void and a vain place. It's a vain imagination to think you're serving God and not be serving God. You think these men that creep in among the church Jude talks about, do you really believe that they, that they thought they were not of God? These are people that think they're of God. These are people that think they're being used of God. They're deceived. Right. And, and, and they have to say what we say, but they do not really mean what we mean. And they do not let what we preach work in their lives to change them. So you need to think about that. The Bible says they, they, they're carried about of winds. And these, this speaks of winds of doctrine. Every wind of doctrine, every book that's written, they go to the bookstore, they buy it. Now, this is what we got to preach. Listen, that's most of preachers today. That's mostly of all ministers today. The newest book, they go buy it and they highlight it and they get in the pulpit and they bring these points out and it refers not to Christ and what He did at Calvary. They say Jesus every once in a while and they might even throw the word crossing and every once in a while, the devil will do that to make you think you're on track when you're way far away. Jesus said that. Your, your, your words... Or you're drawing near me, honoring me with your lips, but your hearts. With Him, with the Lord, it's about our hearts, not our lips. Right. Think about that. So these people are carried about of winds. These men are carried about of winds. Speaks of winds of doctrine. Mm -hmm. The doctrines that won't change a life. Mm -hmm. Not for the glory of God anyway. Mm -hmm. And remember, the God-called ministers are equipping the saints for the work of the ministry and so they can avoid it, avoid ever wind of doctrine. These evil men creep in to bring in the church. We're to guard our pulpits. I, I, I was thinking this morning, getting ready to come up here, how thankful I am for uh, a couple of young preachers I know who, who over the last year they've had to break out. Hear me now. They've had to break out of that buddy system and get determined to preach this message. You got to break out of that buddy system. You got to break out. Oh, we still love just like God loves. We love all people. But in ministry, we can't just be in some group of people because they're our friends. Mm -hmm. You and I must lock arms with those who That's are right. preaching this message. Yeah. The unity of the faith, not some faith. The faith. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. This is, this is the evidence, this is the manifestation of one of the gifts that Jesus, when He went to be seated at the right hand of the Father, He gave men. Watch this. Ephesians 4, 11. <coughs> And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Until we all come in the unity of the faith. See, we must be moving to, uh, forward together in the faith, not some faith. If we're ever going to reach the point of unity in the faith, we got to be walking in the faith. Mm -hmm. Let me say it while we're passing through this morning. The faith that comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and 17, mm -hmm. is the exact same faith that comes that's called the faith of the Son of God that loved right. us and gave Himself for us in Galatians 2.20. If the faith that comes upon hearing the word is not the faith of the Son of God that loved me and gave Himself for me. If those aren't one and the same, I'm confused and I'm mixed up and I'm not traveling down the road I think I am. Right. Think about it. Right. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, 
That's what we're learning, the knowledge of the Son of God. Peter said we're to grow not in the knowledge and the grace of something just that looks spirit. We're to grow in the knowledge and the grace of the Lord Jesus right. Christ. That's right. Is that the knowledge that you're increasing in? Uh -huh. Because it's the only place God's grace will be increased in your life. Hallelujah. Think about it. Unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Mm -hmm. That we from now on be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Uh -huh. now, now, let's back up and read that again because that's what these men deliver who creep in among us. Right. They may be saying a lot of the same things we say, but they're not meaning what we mean. Right. They have to say what we say to be able to creep in among us. Mm -hmm. But they're not meaning what we mean. Mm -hmm. And they're not a, a, the Holy Spirit is not applying this truth to their hearts because they're not receiving it and delivering it as it is truth in righteousness. Mm -hmm. That we from now on be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine mm -hmm. that these men, mm -hmm. by the slight of men and cunning, cunning craftiness. Mm -hmm. their, their craftiness, the way they present it, is so cunning. That's why we're not looking at the way you present it, preacher. We're listening to see if you present that which God has presented to His people. His Word as it is truth in righteousness. I know I'm no longer deceived by your tears. I'm no longer moved by your emotions. I'm no longer moved by your handkerchief. I'm no longer moved by your running and your jumping. Praise God for all of that, but I'm not moved by that because I've learned if it ain't truth moving me, then I'm not being moved by God. Now, I know, see, those who've been paralyzed and, and, and weak and sick and dying prematurely for years, they don't like the reality of this message today. Mm -hmm. But you can come and go with us, or you can be left behind. Right. You can come and go with us, or you can be left behind. Most will be left behind because they just can't get beyond themselves. Mm -hmm. See, it takes the cross of Christ to get beyond yourself. It sure does. That's Without the cross, you'll never get beyond yourself. That's right. But you must hear the message of the cross and see its great value of forgiveness and deliverance from sin and so that the God of all grace can flow into your life as unforced but the rhythm of grace into your life daily through simple childlike faith in the sacrifice of Christ. When you see the value of God through that lens, you're going to deny yourself to cling to that nail-scarred hand. Mm -hmm. Glory to God. But these men, they have a cunning craftiness. The way it works is they draw you first unto themselves. They make you think that they love you. They, they're hospitable for, about you, towards you. They, they speak in certain ways towards you. And, and, and listen to me. There's nothing wrong with being sweet and polite and, and behaving mannerly. But they better be pointing you to Calvary. Yeah. Because God's word without faith in the blood is no faith at all. all right. Faith in God's word without faith in the blood is no faith in the eyes of God at all. Because there's no power in the word of God without faith in the blood. Right. They have a cunning craftiness about them. And the Bible says they lie in wait to deceive. Let's talk about this in example this morning. There are ministries probably in every town, rural towns, cities across the world. Even here in our own community, 
I'll just won't call their name out, but their churches they they don't preach their doctrine in the pulpit. They just get up and they don't they don't teach and preach what they really believe in the pulpit. They don't share that because they know they wouldn't have the crowd they do if they did. They just get up and talk about the sweet things of Jesus and all the stories of Jesus and praise God for the stories of Jesus. But they wait. They lie here. They lie and wait. To deceive. They wait till they see someone who feels like they're called to ministry. They wait till they see someone that will submit to them. And then they deceive them. Now, now it's not just that preachers every week are deceiving people from the pulpit, right out in their face. Because if they're not using God's Word to point you to Calvary and the finished work of Christ, there's a great deception there. There's a great deception there. Because if it's not using God's Word to point you to Christ and what He's accomplished at Calvary, it's using God's Word to tell you what you have to go accomplish. And that's law, and God doesn't work under law except in one way, and that's to reach in and get you out of it. That's it. But these people, these preachers, they wait till they see someone uh, wanting to draw close to God, feeling like they're called to ministry, and then they take them to the back room and they begin to pour their false doctrine that they won't even preach from the pulpit. But they begin to, they found someone now that they can pour their false doctrine into. That's how all these false ministries work. They lie in wait in a cunning, crafty way, waiting for those they can deceive. And here's the thing, they're being deceived. They don't even know they're doing it. They think they're actually living for God and serving God. Mm. And outside of faith in the cross, I'll be blunt and bold this morning, nobody's serving God That's in right. the eyes of God. That's right. That is right. But the Bible says in verse 15, but speaking the truth in love, that's what the equipping of the saints causes. Watch. Instead of being tossed to and fro like we used to be by every wind of doctrine and every pretty book that uh, was put on the shelf in the so-called Christian bookstores and we run off with it and highlight it and preach it and think we have a move of God. Listen. Instead of that, we're now speaking the truth in love. Mm -hmm. Jesus is mm -hmm. the truth. That's right. And what he did at Calvary is the manifestation mm -hmm. of that truth mm -hmm. and that love. That we may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, Amen. from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies. If their faith is in the cross, they're supplying something. If it's not, they're not because they're still being tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine through these cunning and crafty, deceitful men and women today. According to the effectual working in the measure of every part, that's the working of the Holy Spirit who works through our faith in Christ and Him crucified alone. And this is the only avenue, watch this, where He's able to make increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Now we're reading Ephesians chapter 4 verses 11 through 16 here so that we can show the difference between these men that creep in among us who are ungodly, who turn God's grace into lasciviousness, something that it is not, and, and, and there's spots in our feet. They're feeding themselves. They look like us. They sound like us. But they are not of the faith we are of. Mm -hmm. Every town in America has almost the entirety of its town, whether it's a city or it's a small rural town, most of it has nothing but spots, mm -hmm. blemishes, mm -hmm. because this message is not being preached. Even where they teach that you need to, what do they call it? Plead the blood. Plead the blood. If you're not careful, your faith is in you just doing that. Well, I plead the blood. I plead the blood. I saw my grandmama pleading the blood. If you don't know that that's what, that, that your faith actually has to be in the death of Jesus, not you pleading something, but your heart's faith, your heart believing unto righteousness right. is the only avenue of, of true faith. Mm -hmm. Faith is equal to the heart that's believing unto righteousness. 
Amen, Brother Curtis. Amen. The Bible considers these men trees whose fruit withered. Now think about that. Some of these men came in right, but then they took a turn for the worst. And, and like I did for some several years, preaching, never preaching that which was wrong for salvation, but never preaching that which was right for living for God, for the answers for victory, daily victory from the Lord, for the provision of God, for the power of God. Never knowing that, so I couldn't give it. So I had to make stuff up or go by the books and highlight the books and preach the books that sounded good and sounded spiritual, but they all had a cunning craftiness to them because they did not point me to Christ alone and His work at Calvary alone. But the Bible says these men who had fruit, their fruit withers. Think about that. And Jesus taught us in John 15 too that our fruit can wither. We're taught here again by Jude. Our fruit can wither. Mm -hmm. Jesus taught in John 15 that we can bear fruit. We can have more fruit, much fruit. And we can even have fruit that remains. Fruit that remains is talking about fruit that doesn't wither. Listen, most Christians have the, the testimony of I used to serve God. I used to be in church. I used to do this. And listen, God's not looking for that. That's fruit that's gone. Mm -hmm. How about today, my friend? Mm -hmm. I'll close this little session out today with a question for all of us. Are we planted in the house of the Lord where this is the message? Not where we say this is the message. Not the message is on the sign or on the website, but is this the message? Do we preach Christ and Him crucified? Do we warn against everything that's not this message? And do we teach the people the Word of God in the context of this message of Christ and Him crucified? Praise God. It's been a great session today. I'm glad you've tuned in with us. You've been with us. I, I really hope that you would do more than comment, more than like, but you would share this message. Become a part of this ministry by helping us publish this truth by hitting the share button. You can help us here by praying for us, by sowing financially into this ministry as easy as texting to 903 231-5950 or donating on the website at thecrosswaychurch.com God bless you. We love you. And until next week, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. Amen. Praise the God. Ooh, that's a powerful session, Brother Curtis. Mm. Well,